Hello and welcome to Inside the Squad, a community outreach podcast brought to you by the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Inside the Squad is hosted by Lieutenant Scott Galloway and Specialist Shauna Wainscott of the Community Outreach and Crime Prevention Unit within the department. We discuss all topics related to the day-to-day operations of the Lafayette Police Department, and we feature interviews with officers and other public safety personnel who want to give you an inside look at law enforcement. Our goal is that you find this podcast interesting and informative, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. So welcome to this episode of Inside the Squad. My name's Lieutenant Scott Galloway. I'm a member of the Crime Prevention Unit, Lafayette Police Department. With us today, we have, as always, Lieutenant Brian Gossard. How's it going today, Brian? It's going well. Anything new in patrol for you lately? Um, getting into the summer hour, so that brings a uh, different set of problems than you know over, over the winter. So just uh, looking forward to that. Great. And uh, also today we have a uh, some special guests, as usual. We have Lieutenant Scott McCoy from Admin Services. How's it going today, Scott? Uh, good. Thank you. And we also have a 14-year veteran of the American Mission, Rick Hobbs. How's it going today, Mr. Hobbs? Very well, thank you. All right. So um, before we get into um, talking to our guests, we want to talk a little bit about something topical going on at the police department and in, in our city in general, and that is a recent rash of what we would call irresponsible gun ownership, gun use. And, Brian, you've been firsthand at this because you've been on the streets when this, these kind of things have happened. So what have you noticed lately happening or what kind of calls have we, we've been responding to? So we were over the last couple of weeks, we've responded to a, a few more um, shots fired calls, uh, a couple more robberies. Um, and those those calls kind of go in waves, so we'll not have some for a while, and then we'll have a rash of a few. Um, but basically they've been anywhere from uh, people – getting drunk and going out and firing guns, um, you know, within the city limits. So that poses problems for, you know, everybody that lives around them. And then we've had, uh, firearms used as intimidation in, uh, domestic disputes. So, um, yeah, we've had a few more of those recently. And, and specifically on a couple of those, we, we've been able to make arrests. Yeah. So when the person does, uh, irresponsibly use a firearm or intimidate with somebody, we've been able to make an arrest. And then, um, other ones we are can even investigate. We have leads on, so it's not to say that these aren't being investigated or being handled. We just like the community to be aware of gun violence. When you shoot a bullet, you own that bullet. It may not hit its intended target, and we don't want anybody shooting anybody anyway in the city. So, um, yeah. What other things are the, is a um, patrol doing to try to? Uh, interact with these things or suppress this activity? So the last couple, we uh, were actually uh, very close to the scene when it happened. Um, we had officers witness uh, parts of the incident. So, um, you know, we will be the first responders um, to investigate any complaints of uh, uh, the shots fired. Um, if if we don't make an arrest right then, it'll go up to detectives. They'll take a look at it. And, and can you talk a little bit about the directive patrols? I know we're kind of putting our resources in different places to target places that are maybe uh, of higher activity or right. different type of uh, things we want to try to um, push down. So we want to be smart about how we use our resources. Um, we only have a certain amount of people, and we want to, to use them to create the most value uh, as, as we can. So we're leveraging a lot of technology. Uh, we collect a lot of data just uh, doing what we do. So um, we try to use that data to put the officers where uh, there's going to we're ha- having extra calls or 
uh, where we can make the most impact with them. And crime happens. Crime continues to happen. Yep. So that's why you have the police department here. And we're right. hard at work trying to make sure we do the right things and help everybody out. And uh, if we could, we can get into our interview with our special guest, Mr. Hobbs. Um, what should I call you today? Rick Hobbs, Mr. Hobbs? Call you Rick. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit, little bit about yourself and your position on the Merit Commission? Can we talk a little bit about what that is? Okay, sure. <clears throat> Glad to. Um, lived in Lafayette community for 41 years and uh, served on a lot of different agencies and committees around the country, or around the city, I should say. Uh, worked for the Lafayette School Corporation for 35 years, retired in the last few years as a school administrator. Uh, been on the Merit Commission for 14 years and um, uh, have loved it. It's been uh, something I've really enjoyed working with the police department. What, what exactly does the Merit Commission do for our listeners that don't know exactly what that is? Well, the Merit Commission is made up of five civilians, and uh, our job, several jobs we have. One is that we are a part of the hiring process for new employees, new officers that come into the department. And after they go through a lot of hoops uh, during the application and the interviewing process, eventually they come to us. And uh, we are probably the last step here in town for the agency in hiring new uh, recruits. And uh, we also are in charge of disciplinary actions. Uh, for anything that takes longer than five days, the chief can suspend or discipline an officer for up to five days. And we simply receive information about that, uh, what the reason for the discipline. Anything over five days... It comes to us as a committee and a commissioner, and then uh, the officer uh, has the opportunity to request a hearing from us, uh, a disciplinary hearing, and that's that happens uh, not a lot, but happens. Uh, it's happened several times over my 14-year career. Uh, we also uh, present merit awards for outstanding service. Uh, oftentimes that's for heroic actions uh, by our officers. And we also then are a part of the promotion internally. Uh, so if we have a, a sergeant or a lieutenant or a captain position, we'll conduct interviews for uh, candidates. And again, it's our responsibility to take a look at the information and the candidates and determine who we think the best person is for that promotion or uh, to be hired as a new officer for the department. So who appointed, who appoints the, the Merit Commission? Well, the Merit Commission, as I said, is made up of five people. Uh, one person is appointed by the sitting mayor of Lafayette. Um, a Republican and a Democrat candidate is appointed by the Lafayette City Council. And then uh, a Republican and Democratic member are re, are appointed uh, and elected, in this case, by the officer of the police department. So that's how you get to five members of the board and the different groups that they represent. And each term is how long? It's a four-year period that uh, you, you uh, serve at a time. And then uh, for the officers that do the election, uh, that person or those two people, they can... Uh, be re-elected by the, the officer of the department. Same thing with the city council. Uh, you can ask to remain on there, and if they want to reappoint you, because it is an appointed position, uh, 
then you can serve another four years. And then with the mayor, that candidate is always the mayor's discretion. So you, you said a key word there that we wanted to hone in on today, and that's hiring. So Hiring, yeah. So today we got uh, Lieutenant McCoy with us as well. And um, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, Scott, and your experiences at LPD, kind of take us into how that landed you at your current position of being in charge of hiring. Uh, sure. I've uh, been with LPD uh, about 22 years and just a variety of different experiences through through that time. But uh, nine years patrol, nine years detectives, and then the last four plus and um in my current position, administrative services. In that position, there's a lot of different hats, but the primary one over the last four years has been for hiring, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so uh, how I got there was just uh, the, the chief put me in that spot. I, you know, I'm assuming that he thought you know, we'd get, be able to get the job done together. So, And you've um, recently, I know you be shy about this, but you've won an award for your efforts in hiring. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What, Absolutely. What that happened? Maybe uh, Mr. Hobbs can comment to that. What, what happened uh, to get that award? What was your reason? Uh, well, over the, last, uh, over the last four years, we've hired um, nearly 50 new officers uh, on the department. So, as I mentioned, there's a lot of different hats, but this, in this particular time frame, it, my job has almost been full-time hiring. And that process is pretty extensive, as Mr. Hobbs alluded to, uh, many steps in the process. And we recruit and pull people from all parts of the department to be able to help with that, including yourself and Lieutenant Gossard over the years, too. So um, so during that time, it's just, I, I think, just the um, getting after it, uh, finding and hiring good quality candidates um, at really kind of an unprecedented pace um, led my captain, Bishop, to uh, to nominate for a Bronze Merit Award, which I was given. Uh, which you were awarded. Back in May. So, right, so right, congratulations. how we intersect here. And so um, it has been a unique situation uh, in this organization as well as the lifespan of any organization. You get a large group of people that tend to be hired about the same time in the timeline. And as they get older, we all get older, of course, and so uh, we reach the retirement age. And so that presents some unique opportunities for an organization. We've been stuck, probably, I shouldn't say stuck, but we're just in a period for the last five or six years where we've had a lot of uh, officers uh, retire, which allows us to interview and recruit outstanding young men and women to fill those positions. And... Uh, so as Scott said, he's and many others have been swamped because uh, one thing we haven't really talked about is the fact that uh, we have a very demanding interviewing process to become uh, a member of the Lafayette Police Department, and that's by design. We're looking for the best of the best, and so we make that clear when we talk with candidates that, you know, the first thing I say when they come for an interview is congratulations, number one. Because you've made it this far, not very many people actually get to see the five of us for an interview because it is such a demanding process, and, and Scott and some others can tell you, but the matriculation rate is uh, pretty outstanding with the number of people we start out in a, in a pool at the beginning and how that uh, winnows itself down to where we only have the best of the best. And if you're hired by the Lafayette Police Department, it's because you're an outstanding uh, potential officer, and that's the only people we really want to interview and look at. So the Merit Commission interviews uh, candidates. And Correct. That's, that's situated kind of in the middle 
of the of our hiring process, right? Well, actually, we're towards the the tail end of the process okay. because every candidate, uh, you know, they there's the initial paperwork application, and from that, they, there's a physical agility test. If they they pass that, then they have the the captain's review board, uh, which is of course very demanding because typically that is some scenarios where they're going to throw at you. Uh, what would you do in this case? And so they're probing to see if you can handle the kind of pressure that an officer would face on a day-to-day basis. Uh, then the one that really catches a lot of people, and it's not hard to imagine why, and that's the uh, polygraph test, or most commonly called lie detector for those of you who want to use that terminology, but uh, where you have to come clean with all of your history. And that, of course, is one that trips up a lot of the candidates. Uh, because, again, um, you have to be uh, of outstanding character and reputation and for consideration to be a police officer, which is only a logical uh, assumption to make that we're looking, again, for people that, by nature, are outstanding individuals. That they, they can handle the... the the fact that you're held to a higher standard on a daily basis and that we expect you to conform to that and behave in that manner 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So if you can't do those kinds of things, uh, being a police officer is not really for you. And, Scott, do you want to talk about kind of what you do in the initial steps of forming a uh, hiring pool and how, that, how you kind of lead them through uh, the process? Sure. Uh, Mr. Hobbs, again, alluded to it, but um, our application process is basically 11 steps, and that begins with a completed application. And within that application, which is very extensive and maybe a little bit different than some other departments uh, do things, but uh, we feel like if you spend the time and the effort and put quality work into that application, that you really want to be here at OPD. So it's about 20 pages. It includes five essay questions. There can be, depending on your background experience, Uh, maybe nine, ten attachments that need to accompany that application. So without a completed application, you really don't even get started in a process. Uh, Once we receive that application and it is complete, then you take the written and the physical. Uh, Over the years, I've done those both on the same day. It makes for a long day. We'll do the written test in the morning, and then in the afternoon we'll go someplace like Jeff High School and, uh, and do the physical fitness assessment. Um, Typically after a written and a physical, we'll lose about if we have uh, 50 applicants that are testing, we'll lose five um, from that have maybe failed both. Um, after that, uh, we begin the polygraph process, which is, as Mr. Hobbs mentioned, you know, we, is, is a difficult process. And Lieutenant Galloway, you're familiar with that because you do most of, most of them for us. But um, it tells us a lot about the candidate, their character, what their background is, and gives us a good good kind of insight into them outside of the basic application. Uh, after the polygraph is, and, and I call these two steps of polygraph and the captain's board probably the most stressful that the candidate will experience. Until they say yes. Until they say yes. Maybe up until the mirror board. But the captain's board is, is designed to kind of put the, the applicant on the spot. Uh, there are scenario questions, hypotheticals that are given to them, and some of these kids that are coming in have maybe never experienced that, and it, it comes out clearly in this interview. Um, again, it, it's a good character test, uh, what the background of the applicant is. Um, if we're lucky enough to make it through that phase, then we begin the background. And that's actually the phase that we're currently in in this current hiring process. And I'll be leaving for Muncie immediately after this to, uh, 
to just, you know start on a start on a background. But uh, it's very extensive. We dig into their background if they have military background, educational background, prior girlfriends, neighbors, you name it. Um, I always like to say at the end of that, we probably know more about the candidate than they know about mm-hmm. themselves. Uh, all that information then is compiled and taken to the merit board uh, for them to review, and the merit board then begins their, their interview process. Now, Mr. Hobbs, if you could, um, on that, if you feel comfortable answering, is there anything um, you can speak to generally, what you like to look for in candidates? Um, if you're able to even and say that, I don't want to give away any of your trade secrets of how you pick people, <laughs> but is there anything that's uh, kind of what you look for? Well, I can, talk to, I can talk from my perspective because, again, we're made up of five individuals, and so we ask a lot of probing questions of the candidate when we get them in front of us. But as Scott says, uh, we know a great deal about that person before they ever walk in and sat down across the table from us because we have that completed background information and the whole jacket of of information on that, each of those people that come before us. Um, Typically, the kinds of areas I like to probe with is to, I'm trying to determine uh, the commitment of the candidate, why they're really there, what they want to gain from this kind of a, a career. I'm looking for life experience. Uh, we hire probably in the last five years, we basically have really uh, given most consideration to people that have um, some kind of extensive educational background and military career because they tend to be more successful. I'm not saying those are the only two areas we look at, but if you've uh, gone through the steps of higher education or and or military, then you have a full complement of life experiences that you can deal from on a day-to-day basis that will help you be a better officer and face the challenge of that on the street. Uh, so I look a lot at what have they done to this point, why they want to be here, uh, what interests they have in the different departments of the police uh, career, uh, and where they want to go, where they hope that takes them. And then we talk a little bit about connections they might have around Lafayette. Uh, it's important for young officers to have a network system. This is uh, probably one of the most stressful jobs that a young person can have. And uh, as a byproduct of that, uh, we believe as commissioners that they need to have uh, a pretty good support system around. And so we're looking and talking with candidates about, you know, you know, how do they de-escalate their stress from the job, their support system, uh, who they have uh, around it as kind of confidence that they can turn to and, and kind of uh, de- de-stress from the day-to-day. Because sure. there's a lot. That first year as an officer, uh, it, you just, it, you can talk about it, but until the people go through it, there's really no uh, way to explain how of a unique training situation that is, the things Absolutely. that they go through. And, Scott, so once the Merit Commission chooses the people that they want to make an ex- extend an offer, where do they go from there? Yeah, the Merit Commission will extend a conditional offer, and it's right. conditional it's on... It's conditional on the PERF. Right. Uh, the medical and the psychological correct. exams. And if they have passed, successfully passed both the physical and the psychological um, then they have one more step prior to swearing, and that's the pension board. Um, and the pension board is, since the city contributes uh, some money to the pension, there's a bit of a say that the pension board has in the hiring of this person. It's also an opportunity for some of uh, city department heads to be able to, um, to to be able to meet the candidate for the first time, including the mayor and the controller. So. 
A couple technical questions. Um, if you have a hiring pool uh, or somebody gets eliminated from the hiring pool, how often can they reapply again? Is there a time period for that? Or? Yeah, well, good question. There, there's a couple scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we have a good candidate that, and let's say we only have one position and we interview five really good candidates, um, for some of those, sometimes we will uh, ask those candidates that were not given a conditional offer, that if they want to remain in kind of a, a candidate pool, and if we would happen to have an offering come available within the next year. But uh, if we don't utilize that, typically uh, they have to wait a year to come back and reapply. And, and they go through, through the, the process. entire process again, starting from the test, the polygraph. Well, with the exception of one step, which is the, the physical assessment, there's always okay. that possibility that somebody during the test tweaks an ankle, pulls a hammy, does mm-hmm. something, and can't complete the test. So we do offer them the opportunity to come back within a six-month time frame at our, at our choosing um, to come back and at least re-PT physical test. If they but, fail the written test, they're out. Yeah. Any other step, with the exception of the merit board, and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys have the option to put them in a pool, so to Correct. speak. Correct. However, let me, I need to clarify that just because we may want to keep you in a pool, that's not a conditional uh, agreement for that's employment. That simply means up. that if we have an opportunity uh, for a position to open, then we will probably call those people back along with any new candidate that comes up through the process that uh, the department sends to us. So we might have a couple of people left from a pool in a prior uh, interview during that preceding year, but we may have four other candidates who've gone through that ongoing application process. So it's so competitive, I would say. We, it goes back to what I said earlier. We're only looking for the best people, and so we make that pretty clear. The candidates understand that yeah, you may come and talk to us several times, but uh, you've got to be, you have to present yourself as the best candidate to get employment here. I had a question about the average age. What is the average age of uh, somebody we hire? Yeah, 25 and a half, actually. The minimum age to apply is 21. You have to be 21 to apply and potentially get hired, but the average age is about 25 and a half. And we've hit that over the last couple of years. Are we, are we seeing. Yeah, and that's actually through the, through the history of our entire department. Okay. The current roster is 25 and a half when they were hired. So I was 24. You know, there might be somebody who was 28, 21, whatever the case. But very few 21-year-olds, very few 35, 36-years-old. Which is the upper limit for even being Correct. considered for uh, starting in the police department. Correct. And that's based on our pension rules. Yeah, that's Correct. not an OPD rule. That's a state That's state a, rule that's state a state in, uh, rule mm-hmm. on an employment for this kind of position. And we've had, uh, in my length on the commission, uh, probably only two or three that were, you know, lower to mid-30s. Most of them have been in their 20s. One caveat to that is they just uh, changed a law regarding military veterans. They did, yeah. If if you're a retiree of the military, 20-year veteran of the military, you can apply and be hired up into 40 and a half. I'm not sure they came up with a half, but... uh, So that gives time... For people that go through the military right out of high school, do 20 years, and then... All right. If you do, if you come right out of high school at 18 and work 20 years uh, in a branch of the military, you're 38. And in the old rules, you would be too old to apply or be hired by a police department. But under the new law, you are eligible to uh, to be hired up in 240 and a half. If you can pass all the steps. Correct. Right. And right. requirements. 
So we've been going for a little bit of a time here. I know, Scott, you got to get on to Muncie, but uh, we'd like to move on to the rest of our uh, podcast. But before we do that, we'd like to congratulate Mr. Hobbs on his uh, retirement. So you've been a member for 14 years of the commission. 14 years, that's right. Moving on to the next part of your life, but you're always going to be a part of the LPD. I will right? always be a part of the LPD. That Thank you for hiring everybody in this room. And <laughs> I hired and promoted. Hired <laughs> yes. and promoted. In fact, yeah. uh, Mr. Walkie and I, you know, it's... I think Jack has been involved with hiring roughly, and these numbers escape me, but somewhere like 125 or 30 people in his career, and I've hired, what, 105 or 10 or something like that. So, um, a lot of work, a lot of effort. And, and <laughs> but, you know, in, in life you do the things that you're committed to and you enjoy, and this, as I said to many people, that this department is extremely important to me, this community has been important, and so... Um, I have loved the opportunity to work with the, the outstanding men and women in this department. I wish all of you the best, and, of course, I expect all of you to be safe every day. And we thank you for your service, and then you're always, always an open door to LPD for you to I'll come be check back. it out anytime you want. I'm not dying. I'm just moving. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Scott, thanks for coming today. We appreciate uh, your efforts and anytime. continuing efforts. Uh, if we could just move on to a few last things we got, uh, questions from the audience and some tips. And the first one I'll give to you, Brian. Um, this is from Janie. You can always reach us at podcast at lafayette.in.gov. And Janie asks, what do you do in the season about fireworks? So now when this is published, it'll be probably around the time of fireworks. Uh, but it's they're already starting. So um, she's uh, saying in her comments that every year it seems to get worse. What are we doing about fireworks? So I don't know if it's uh, getting worse every year. Uh, this time of year is always bad for those types of calls. Uh, people want to start fireworks too early and then carry them on uh, way, way past the holiday. So per our, or, our ordinance, um, from June 29th through uh, July 9th, you can shoot them off uh, from 5 p.m. to two hours after sunset, excluding July 4th, where you can shoot them off 10 a.m. to midnight. Outside of that, you're breaking our ordinance uh, and you can be fined up to $250. We do get a lot of calls. Uh, people think they're gunshots, so we get a lot of shots fired calls that turn out to be uh, somebody shooting off fireworks outside of the time frame. Even in within that time frame, people uh, mistake fireworks for gunshots. So uh, by all means, if you have a concern, we'll come check it out. Um, but around this time of year, most of them are going to be fireworks. And that brings up a good point. So um, a couple of things. We have the most restrictive ordinance in the state so the state will allow a certain range and we have the most restrictive so um, citizens always wants to pare that down to why can't it just be the fourth of july or new year's eve whatever but by state law we can only have it at this amount and we we just asked everybody to be uh, courteous and uh, conscientious toward their neighbors um, it does drive animals crazy and PT- Dogs, ptsd military veterans yeah. with ptsd um, people with young kids yeah um, so just be uh, cognizant of that and uh, try to uh, fall within the guidelines of the ordinance. And then ironically enough, I did uh, receive a phone call. I didn't get a podcast email, but uh, I'll give this to Scott. When do you expect the um, LPD to have their next hiring process? Do you have anything on tap for the next hiring process? I don't. Uh, usually uh, the pattern that we've been using, and it's been fairly successful, uh, is a spring-fall. And the reason that we do that is we're able to it gives us enough time to recruit, hit career fairs, that type of thing, um, reserve centers, guard guard places. Um, 
in those types, it gives them time. And as I mentioned, the application is you can't start this the night before and turn it in. It's it's a, at least two weeks, okay. I would imagine. So, yeah. Uh, so usually in the spring and uh, the fall, uh, we do that. And on occasion, late summer or early winter, I'll have a small test. Just depends on the number of applications we have and what our opening situation looks like. Where can they learn about the hiring and when, when that's going to be? Is there a place they can go to or a website? Yeah, absolutely. Go to uh, go to our website at uh, LafayettePolice.us and um, they can read all about it and see our videos um, that we've posted. And they can also download the application. They can download the app. Our application is fillable online. It, you can't uh, you can't submit it online, but you can fill it out online, print it off, and, and send it to us. And we appreciate that because it's a lot easier to read. So absolutely. <laughs> and one last thing we'll talk about here is uh, we always like to give a tip. And um, the tip that we've picked out this year is we've been seeing recently some credit card skimmers uh, popping up at gas stations, things like that. So one thing I like to do and talk about is. Uh, for people to check their credit report frequently or check um, websites on their credit cards or bank information because you can quickly check and see if somebody is using your information that shouldn't be using it and stop it before it gets out of hand. So that's one thing we'd suggest is even in the summer months when people are traveling or doing projects around the house, keep checking your credit. Make sure you're monitoring that because uh, a lot of times once you're a victim of a crime, you can't get that, that back. It's gone. So let's make sure we're keeping up on those things. And lastly, uh, we have a couple things coming up. National Night Out will begin in August. It's a uh, Brian, if you could explain exactly what that is. National Night Out. Yeah, National Night Out is a, a nationwide community policing awareness uh, event. Uh, it's typically held the first Tuesday of uh, August. And in the past, we've kind of adjusted that depending on um, what's going on within the city. We've uh, kind of co-opted with the the uh, whatever event is going on at Loeb Stadium. Like an uh, Aviators game or something? Well, recently it's been the Aviators. We have done it with our Cold World Series exactly. that's held there. Um, but with the Aviators in town, uh, there's, a, there's a lot Natural of people fit. out in Columbia Park anyway. So it's just a, a chance for the police department to get out and uh, kind of be open to the public and, you know. Answer questions. Answer or? questions, okay. hand out uh, crime prevention material, uh, hang out with the kids and just uh, be part of the community. We also have coming up a drug take back on July 29th. That's always a good opportunity to um, get rid of those drugs that we don't want in the watershed or in the wrong people's hands. And we're also doing a lot of outreach talks with crime prevention. Our dare officer has been real busy lately, so we look forward to keeping that up. And we want to thank today again Rick Hobbs for coming in and Scott McCoy. We appreciate your help. And then uh, behind the scenes, we have Tom Melville and Alan Schwab who publish our podcast. They produce our podcast. We appreciate that. And also Patty Payne, who's our director, that kind of keeps us on tap of what we're supposed to be doing. So, and Brian, one last thing. Yep, I'd like to thank uh, our hosts, uh, Matchbox Co-working Studio. Yep. You can follow them at, uh, at Matchbox Co-work and find them at matchboxstudio.org. Thanks. See you guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside the Squad from the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Be sure to check out past episodes and subscribe for new ones on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question for the show, you can email it to podcast at lafayette.in.gov or connect with us on Nextdoor, Twitter, and on our website, lafayettepolice.us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Inside the Squad.